Welcome to the Fully Equipped Podcast, where we read through the Bible together and help to answer any questions you might have. Welcome back to the Fully Equipped Podcast. This is Zach. This is Travis. And we made it to episode three. We made it through our first week of this thing, and man, we're excited to keep going. I feel like we're, we're starting to get it figured out and figuring out more things, and we're glad if you're just tuning in for the first time, we're glad to have you with us. And if you've been keeping up, we're super proud of you for that because it does take some work and effort and discipline to, to, to stay in the Word and continue reading and, and keep studying. And so we're glad we're able to go through this together. Yep. And this week we're going to be in Genesis chapters 9 through 18. Uh, last week we ended... Um, with Noah and his family able to leave the ark after, uh, after the great flood. And so we're picking up, and God's about to establish his first covenant with Noah. And um, You know, I think before we just jump right in, Okay. I think something that, uh, uh, something I think it's good for everybody to know is we have to discipline ourselves to do this. Um, you know, life gets in the way. We do, they started remodeling our house on this past Tuesday. And I think we talked a little bit about that last time. So now we've spent almost a week in, in chaos because that's what our house looks like right now is chaos. Um, luckily, this way, we don't... Uh, there's sometimes our house is chaos and it's our fault. And now you get to blame it on all the construction. Now I get to blame it on the contractors. That's right. So if you come over, excuse the mess. It's not our fault. We're remodeling. That's always a much better excuse than excuse our mess. We're just pigs. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I get to say excuse our mess. We don't have anywhere to put anything because I live in a shoebox. <laughs> you live in a shoebox. He does have a small apartment. And so, but it's easy to get caught up in the turmoil and the, the, the chaos and life gets hectic. And so I just want to encourage everybody listening to stay with it. We're in a week and it's going to, it's going to get harder for a little while until you get a routine down and, and you get going with it. And so yeah, don't I be just, discouraged if you miss a day. It's, you know, it's not We're we intentionally made the reading fairly small and fairly light so that. If you did miss a day, it wasn't hard to make it up on Saturday or even, you know, put two days in together, you know, if you wanted to stay on top of it like that. Um, if you really, you know, find somebody who you know and, and stay accountable with them and have other people ask questions, let them, you know, let them challenge you into into keeping on track. Exactly. I always like that idea. It's like uh, have a swim buddy. Yeah. Remember going to the pool. You always want to have a swim buddy in case you start to drown. You got somebody that can either pull you out or call the lifeguard. And so that's a that's a great point. That's a great point. Zach is my swim buddy right now. Yeah, he, I float. He he helps keep me accountable to make sure. Have you read? Are you reading? Are you ready? And. Um, I never feel ready. I don't either. I never feel we, ready to do this, we're but we're gonna, gonna we're it. gonna jump in. Um, Sunday morning, if you caught the message, we talked in in the end of chapter nine, chapter ten, and chapter eleven a little bit. If it, it's on Facebook, if you want to get on Abundant Life's Facebook page, you can 
you can watch that. But we're going to, we may end up even rehashing some of that, talking about that a little bit. Uh, as Zach said, we, we find ourselves in 9 as we start to read. The, the flood is, is over, and we see God blessing Noah, telling them to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And that's going to be an important verse later on. Right. That, that, that helps to explain... Uh, Why some of this other stuff begins to happen. Yeah, especially chapter 11. That verse right there kind of ties into chapter 11 and, and lets you know why it was so important that uh, they were congregating together and building a city as opposed to going out and doing what God had commanded them to do. Right. I've, so as I was reading this, I, I came across something, and I have an interesting question for you. Okay. Okay. In uh, verses 5 and 6 of chapter 9, it says, And for your lifeblood I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal, and from each human being, too, I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Now before this, has this principle at all been established? Has there been... Do you think there's been any eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth at all? Because before this, we've had God's promise to Cain that surely no one will take, you know, vengeance on him. And, yeah. and even after that, we had Lamech who promised his family, you know, he said, I've taken, you know, somebody injured me. I killed him. Surely if Cain was going to be avenged seven times, it's going to be even more for me. And so do you think at, at, before this, that there was any kind of, if you kill someone, you will be killed? Huh, I don't know. I don't remember anything before this where it, it says that. And I think there's a lot of things that we find prior to this where it's almost a given. Um, for instance, in a little while we're going to read about Melchizedek and Abraham gave him a tenth. That's the first place you ever hear of a tithe, but tithe has never been established. We talk about Cain and Abel and them giving an offering, but yet there's been nothing that has set up that offering. So I think there might be some things in the Old Testament that are just kind of a given. And so when I come across a passage like that, I like to expand it out and look at maybe the bigger picture of what's going on around it uh you know so we started in what verse six uh five verse five uh but if you go up to verse three it says every moving thing that lives shall be food for you i have given you all things even as the green herbs but you shall not eat flesh with its life that is its blood Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. That's an, I don't know. That's just one of those interesting questions I came across. I figured I'd throw it out there, but... You know, as we, do, as we talk about this, this is a good point for us to reiterate this. Something we're probably going to say every episode is, this is not something that gets us to the point. That's always what we're looking for is to the point. And I think that this is an interesting conversation to have. It's definitely a mm -hmm. fun little brain picker. 
but it's not anything that we need to look at and, and hinge theology upon. Yeah. And I think, too, it shows us, I think when we back off and we kind of look at this and you go, well, you know, what's the point of this? I, I think it goes back to show the importance of, the, it shows us the importance of man to God, if that makes sense. How important our, our life is to, to him, because a lot of times up to this point, and I believe it extends on even till now, but a lot of times we begin to look inward and we begin to look at what we deserve or what we want or we're, you know, well, he deserves it. Right. You know, he got what's coming to him. And, um, you know, this shows that that if you're going to be willing to take a life that you're, you know, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. It's kind of the way I read that. Right. Not necessarily an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth or a tooth for a, a tooth for a tooth. One of these days I'm going to learn to speak also. A tooth for a tooth, what I see here is, is more along the lines of uh, uh, if you're going to live by the sword and you're not going to care for life, you're going to, be, you're going to die by the sword as well. Right. Um, that your life will be taken from you. But he says, and as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. So that's an interesting conversation. Um, maybe you have some insight into it. So if you're listening and you've got some insight and you want to, you want to educate us a little bit, send us an email at podcast at fullyequipped.church and we'd be happy to read it. We'll read it to everybody next time. So God establishes a covenant with Noah, we see the rainbow, and, and we talked this morning, uh, we're re recording this on a Sunday evening, so um, this morning, Sunday morning, we had, we had talked about, gotten into Noah's son, talking about Noah getting drunk, and passing out naked in his tent, and, and I think the important thing, sometimes, you know, talking about what's the point where we get out of that. Sometimes we focus on, on that verse, or I've seen people use that verse talking about why you shouldn't drink, talking about how Noah messed up, talking about many different things. But I think the thing that we really see here is we see the curse that he pronounced on his, on his son. On his grandson. On yeah. his grandson. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw it and... He said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of service, servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. And so when you fast forward, by the time you get to chapter 13, Abram, who is a direct descendant of Shem, who is blessed who by is Noah blessed, right after he curses Canaan, mm -hmm, you see Abraham inherit Canaan's land. That's right. That's, that's where he came to. And so it's really interesting, even when we get into chapter 10, uh, you, there's a lot of genealogy there. Right. Uh, you see where a lot of these nations were, were birthed, and it can be sometimes a little tedious to read. But what's really interesting, as you begin to read in there, you see names that you're going to see later on that they've become places. You see... Babylon, and you see uh, Egypt, mm -hmm. Shiner, Nineveh, 
uh, is one of them. And so there's just a number of these places, Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, there's all kinds of places that begin to show up out of here. And it all started with Noah. But I have to say, my favorite name in all of this is Nimrod. That's mine too. I'm still trying to convince somebody to name. People like to name their kids after biblical characters. Right. So there's a lot of Matthews out there. There's a lot of Johns. Luke. There's I have Luke's. a cousin named Asa. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to get somebody. Let's go back. You know, there's Noah. There's people named Noah. Um, I think I even know a ham. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's his nickname or if that's his given name. But I've never met anybody named Nimrod. No, I mean, I've called some people Nimrod. That's right. <laughs> but I have never, never come across somebody named Nimrod. Uh, there's some really interesting names in here, though. Gomer. Gomer Pyle. There's, guess, yeah, now we know where that came from. Yeah, there's, I mean, but, but I've... What's interesting, and you talked about this on Sunday, is that we get all of these names and we get all of these nations, uh, and then right after that we hear, you know, we start reading and it, it talks about how there are no nations, they're all, everyone is consulted in one spa space, and that they all speak the same language. And it's right after this, and we kind of realize that not everything that the Bible gives us is necessarily in, in a chronological order, Sometimes right. it gives us some stuff ahead of time to make sense of what's happening next or what had happened before. Yes. Yeah, we get some context and some clues in there as to what's going to happen or the, or the way we talked about it this morning was it, it starts out as a God gives you an overview and then zooms in on one, one specific time period or one specific aspect within that. Well, the thing, uh, an important thing to remember is that the Bible isn't, a history book. I mean, it's an, it's a narrative and a lot of the ways that, that you, I mean, there are a lot of things that are used, you know, that were inspired when this was written to, to help the narrative along. There's a lot of foreshadowing. That's kind of what 10 is into 11 is we get this foreshadowing that, well, maybe there's a reason that they broke up because he told them to be fruitful and multiply. Mm -hmm. And now we're hearing that they have, but, there's a reason why they have. They didn't choose yeah. that. They didn't do that on their own. They 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 were, they were had to be um, assisted. I was gonna say uh, coerced. Coerced may be a, a good way to do it, uh, or a good way to, to to speak about it. So in in chapter eleven, what we're talking about is is the Tower of Babel, and essentially what happens is that these people come together and they say. Let's make a tower that reaches the heavens so that our glory can, can last forever, essentially. The, the, this is for us. And um, they begin to work on it, and God says, well, let's go down and look at it. You know, he says, they're all speaking the same language. If they work together, they'll get anything that they can done. Let's go ahead and confuse their language so that they spread across the whole earth. Yes. We immediately go from there to, and we talked about that quite a bit this morning, so I don't want to spend too much time on that topic. Like I said, if you weren't here, you weren't able to hear it, you know, I, I, 
really suggest go to Facebook and, and watch the live video there. You'll get a, a lot more out of it. You'll be able to hear some praise and worship as well. But it, the Tower of Babel is kind of sandwiched in there. Right. Because we're, we're, he's giving the descendants and where these nations come from, and then we go from there to Shem's descendants. Now, Shem is one of Noah's sons, and he's one of the ones that uh, was not cursed by no. dad. Uh, he's also one where Shem is where we're going to get Abraham. So actually, Shem is going to be a... Uh, Jesus will be a descendant of Shem. Shem. Because when we go back, it traces the genealogy back to Abraham. If you go back from there, we see Abraham's father, Terah. We can go back further from there and see it goes all the way back to Shem, which goes all the way back to Noah. Um, and chapter 12 becomes a very... So we're talking... When we're talking big picture here, the beginning of chapter 12 is a very important one. Right. That's, a, that's one that, that you don't want to skip over and you really don't want to miss. Um, the beginning of chapter 12 starts out, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this is a foreshadowing, not only of, it's a foreshadowing of what, what God's going to do with the nation of Israel, but the whole point of what God did with the nation of Israel was to bring us Jesus. And that's where we find that last. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We're going to be blessed because Jesus is going to come through this line and he is our savior there are another interesting part of of that uh monologue that that god has and that blessing is that he he says i will make your name great and there's only a couple of times in the bible where we see this mm -hmm. and I, I really i can only think of one other time and it's when he, he's talking to david when david wants to build the temple yes and it's really interesting that because God didn't come to bring any kind of political leader. That wasn't ever his plan. It didn't, his plan never hinged upon names. It never hinged upon the renown of figures. And so it's, it's interesting that there are only a few spots where he says, I will make your name great. Yeah. And do you think when he says, I will make your name great, he's going to do it in the sense of David's greatness or the name's going to be great and remembered because of who's going to come from. That's, that, that's, and, and that's interesting because when we talk about David, I think you see, um, I've heard it put before that we find the Abrahamic covenant mm -hmm. and then we find the Davidic covenant and that those are both hinges that the door to salvation swings on. Yeah. Those are two promises that God has given us that, that, that God has given that open up this door to salvation and both of them lead to the same place. Right. Um, so then, then we, we leave from there and, uh, 
we see that Abraham and his wife and his cousin or his nephew. Oh wait, Lot, I'm, I'm gonna correct you. Oh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna be particular here. Okay, you said his name wrong. Abram, I apologize. Abram, you're right, I did. Abram. So if you if you're listening and you've never noticed that or or have questioned that, um, God changes Abram's name and changes Sarai's name. So it goes from Abram to Abraham and Sarah to Sarai. No, backwards. Sarai to Sarah. There you go. There you go. We'll eventually get this thing right. And so, and when does that happen, Zach? Uh, When when does he, that's during his covenant with Abraham, right? Or with Abram. Yes. Which he establishes and then he becomes Abraham. And then he becomes, becomes Abraham. So at this point, he's made a promise to Abraham in chapter 12. Um, of what he's going to do. And let's see. I want to. He gives them a sign of the covenant. And it's after that, after he gives them the sign of the covenant, which I think we may save and talk about uh, later on in the week. Okay. Um, it's a really interesting. It's really interesting what he does and, and how he does that. Uh, but at this point, he's Abram. Because, you know, a lot of times when we think of people like Abram, we think what a great hero of the faith. Right. And, and I think it's, I think we have a tendency to do that with people in general. You know, you look at the end of somebody's life and you look at all the great things that, you, that they've done. But sometimes we miss their humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. You know, Abraham, Abram, there you got me doing it now. Abram wasn't raised in a family of believers. Right. Uh, you know, his, his father, Tara, was not a, you know, was not a believer in God, Did, didn't walk with God, didn't know God. Um, we see here at, the, at 12, he is, Abram is 75 years old, and this is when he's beginning to trust in God. And we see him make some mistakes along the way. We see it with him in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, which that's one of those moments where, uh, so so when when they're in Egypt, uh-huh. and this isn't the only time that this happens, but Abraham tells Sarah or Abram tells Sarai. It's hard to do it, it now, is, isn't it? Yeah, but we always <laughs> refer to him as Abraham. So Abram tells his wife Sarai to lie mm-hmm. and say that he's or that she's his sister because she's so beautiful that he's afraid that they're going to kill him. So that Pharaoh can take her to be his wife. So she lies and says that she's his sister. And the Pharaoh does that anyway. He takes her as, a, as part of his harem. And eventually, God finds out about it, is not pleased, and punishes Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh asks, why have you done this? Why did you tell me that she's your sister when she's your wife? Go, leave. Take, take everything that you've been given and just get out of here. And it's, it's a moment where we realize that the consequences of our actions don't always fall on us. There yeah. are times when we mess up and we get away scot-free. But there are always consequences for our actions. That's right. Sometimes they just happen to fall on somebody else. Yeah, and it's funny, if he would have just told the truth in the beginning, none of that would have happened. If he'd have had faith. If he'd have, if he'd have had faith and go, God made me this promise that he is going to 
bless those who bless me and curse those who uh, curse me. And he's going to make me into a great nation. If he had held on to that promise, he, he could have walked into Egypt and said, God said he's going to do this. I'm going to believe him for it. And none of that would have happened. But by, by, by lying, he caused the thing to happen that he was trying to prevent from happening. And they, they took because of her beauty, they took her as, um, they took her into, into Pharaoh's house. And so, yeah, that's a good point. Um, this is, it's one of those things where you, you mentioned that Abram had never grown up in faith. He has to be sold on this promise quite a few times. Quite a few times. We're going to see it. You're going to see it this week as you read this week. Um, you're going to see that happen multiple times where he believes it, but then he get, begins to doubt. And that's where we, when we look at it and we look at these things in context and we look at them to who they were written to and all of this, um, when we come back to go, well, what's the point for us? Well, humanity has not changed. Nope. We all have humble beginnings. Nobody goes, okay, Jesus, I believe in you, and then they're great heroes of the faith. It's a process that we have to work through and that we have to see, and we see it. That's, that's one of the things that, as a new believer, excited me, was I read the Bible, and as I began to read it and see it, what I saw was a perfect God being worshipped by imperfect people. I never once saw in there that God said, you must be perfect to worship me. As a matter of fact, I see a lot of times where God took and did great things with people who didn't, who, who wouldn't qualify. Who if... People would have, who people would have never even considered. That's right. That's right. When they were, you know, you go, and we're not going to jump too far ahead or fall too far into this tangent, but when you look at people like David, he was the runt of the litter. He was the small. He wasn't even included. Dad didn't even call him in out of the field. And yet, who did God use? Who did he anoint king? When, when I moved to the New Testament, the New Testament was the one that really, really got me because Jesus chose these 12 guys, to, to walk with him, to be his disciples, to learn from him and become apostles to, to birth the first church, to get it started, to get it off the ground. And out of the whole earth and anybody Jesus could have chosen, he didn't choose the lawyers and the experts of the law and the ones who had formal training. He chose, he chose your regular average he chose fishermen and tax collectors who were seen as blood traders and these regular people. And, and it, we, we mention all this because it's, it's who we are. We yes. are those same people. We're the average people. We're, we may be the people who are looked at as blood traders. We may be looked at, at as people who, well, there's no way they could ever be, walk a straight and narrow path to follow God. They're so crooked. You know, that may be where we're coming from. And, you know, we, we talked about we weren't going to get too far ahead. That's something that as we read through the rest of the Bible, keep that in mind. Look at all of the characters. Look at all yes. of the people that God uses. Because there's not a single one other than Jesus who is God who's perfect. Well, 
this, this is, yeah. You even look at the, the most righteous man on earth that God chose to save gets sloshed drunk and passes out. That's now, right. That's not the point of the story, but you see Noah wasn't perfect. He was righteous, but he wasn't perfect. And we have to understand that difference. Um, it goes on later, I believe it's in um, Hebrews, where it talks about Abraham's faith was Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness, um, not his perfection, and that's the thing that we have to that's the thing that we have to get is there's a difference between perfection and righteousness. Um, righteousness is a right standing with God. With God, we're we're walking correctly with Him. We're trying to do the right thing in God's eyes, um, and when we mess up. God gives us grace. He gives us mercy. Um, he gives us chances again. And so, and we see him do that right here with, with Abram. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, well, you lied. You didn't, you didn't believe my promise good enough. And so we're, you're cut off from it. God's promises are his promises no matter what. Mm -hmm. And we see that God continues to bless Abram, continues to fulfill his promise, even though Abram's messed up. God always holds on to his end. That's right. His end is never contingent upon how we handle our end. And, and that's something that we, we see that over and over and over again in Scripture. And, and it's something that, that we, we need to hold on to. Yes. Because there's a lot of times where we'll look and say, well, I've messed up. There's no way that God's going to follow through with what he said. But it's like you said, Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness. Yes. It wasn't the things that he did right. It was the belief that he had. It was the faith that he had in God's promises. Yeah. And we see God come back to Abram and then to Abraham a number of times to, to reinforce that. And I believe he still does that for us today. I believe it's, it's, it still works the same way where as we begin to doubt if we'll just open our eyes and open our hearts to God, he'll reinforce, you know, what he's already told us and what he's already done and doing. Um, we see it with, we see it with Abram. You, we get to the middle of the 13th chapter and, and he shows him. He, after, after Abram and, and Lot, they separate to have enough room because they're, they're so wealthy now and things are growing and doing so well that they're starting to bump into one another and there's enough land. So, so Abram gives Lot his choice of which direction he wants to go and Abram goes the other. And as he does that, the Lord begins to make that promise. But one of the things that's, that's really interesting is this is the chapter where we see God give Abram the land of Canaan. Um, verse 12 says, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent, went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, 
and which are in Hebron and built an altar there to the Lord. So we see God reinforce the promise, expound upon the promise that he's already given. And you remember when we were talking in, in chapter 9, we were talking about what happened with Noah and his sons. We see something that happened a few chapters ago now coming to pass. Right. We, we, we see it. God said it. It may have not made sense to, to us at the time, but when we back up and we look at everything in context, context we begin to see it come to pass. Right. And so I, I, you know, I think this is a good spot for us to leave off today. I, I think got that, one more. Oh, one more? I got one more. One more. I Let's think go. we're at 30 minutes. If y'all can hold on for about another seven or eight, I think we have another good, interesting one to get into. All right. What are we looking at? We are looking at the next chapter. Okay. So... After all of this happens with, with Abram and Lot and they split and God makes this promise and Lot, the site he chooses is near Sodom and Gomorrah where the people are just bad people. Just some nasty, nasty folk. And we'll, we'll hear a little more about them, but we see there's, there's a battle going on. You've got nine kings. You've got... That's way too many kings. That's right. You've got four kings fighting against five kings and in the process of this, Lot gets captured and hauled away. Now we can begin to see how rich Abram really is because he had, I want to say it was 300 and 18. some odd, 318 trained men that were, that were raised up in his household. He had his own private army. And he goes out, recaptures everything that was taken, including his uh, nephew Lot, and brings them back. Then after this happens, we're introduced to an interesting character. This is the only place where we see this character, but he's referenced a number of times throughout. I think it's in Psalms and he's referenced in the, in the New Testament. And his name's Melchizedek. Verse 18 says, Then Melchizedek, son, or Mel, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom, Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours lest you say I have made Abram rich except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. So he comes back and he meets the king, the king of Salem. Now what's really, really interesting about this character is we don't hear anything about him before. We or don't hear after. anything about him after. And you would think we would hear something about him before. He seems like a pretty important character at this point. Well, he is recognized as the priest of God Most High. So he's a godly priest. This is before God has set up the Levites. 
This is before he's established the priestly line of Aaron. This is before we even ever hear of a priest. Right. And he set and and this guy is is a priest. And something else interesting about him is he is a king. Mm-hmm. We're gonna find out later on that's that's not a mix that you see happen. Nope. That the priests and the kings come from separate lines, and that there's only one other time in the entire Bible that we see somebody that is the high priest and the high king, and that's Jesus himself. That's right. And so it's a really, really, it's an interesting look. So when you're reading the Bible, there's things called types and shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe types and shadows? Uh, types and shadows, uh, I would, it's usually when you see references or allusions to things that are happening later that are, are bigger events. So in this moment, we see that Abram is tithing a tenth of everything to Melchizedek, who's a priest and a king. And that's to, to set up the fact that we are to glorify Christ, who is the high priest and the, and the king of kings. And it's, it, it even says later in the Bible that he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek, yes. where that, which is super interesting because the line of priests that God sets up later is through the line of Levi. Mm-hmm. And so this is saying that even before all that was established, Christ's line was established. And, and so it's, there, there are plenty of times when we see these types and shadows, you know, uh, some of the stuff that we see with Abram and Abraham uh, with the sacrifice of Isaac. Um, that's, a, that's a shadow for, for later on when, when Christ is the sacrifice for mankind. Um, you know, but, but yeah. they're all throughout the Old Testament yeah, we leading see, towards Jesus. Yeah, God gives us and gave the people at the time and through that gives us a picture of what's to come. Um, we, see, we see Jesus through these different characters and that's why it's called a shadow because it's not a perfect picture. Right. If you think about a shadow, you know, when you walk outside and you look at your shadow, you can tell somebody's shape and size and, and get some ideas about them, but you don't see the details. So these are shadows of what's to come, uh, or we see it as types where, you know, they're not an exact Jesus, but, the, but they're a type of Savior. We see it with Moses leading the people out of, of, of Egypt, uh, leading them out of bondage. Well, that's a, that's a type of Savior that Jesus is going to be as he leads us out of the bondage of sin. And so, uh, talking about Melchizedek, Hebrews chapter 7 talks about him. It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils, and indeed those who are the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law that is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham." 
But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. And so it's a really interesting illusion. It's a, he's a really interesting character because it's, it, we really have very little about him. All this genealogy, all we've talked about, his name has not come up once. Right. And another, another really important thing to note is that when Abraham is tithing to him, he's submitting to him. He's saying, I'm not challenging you. I'm not competing with you. I, I'm submitting to you in this moment, which is a really important thing later on that is as we, as we submit to Christ, that's what the mindset that we have is that I'm not competing in my life to own my life. Uh-huh. I'm submitting my life to Christ. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing that as we see this here, yeah. that's the mentality that we have to have as we walk through our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also gives us a, and this may be getting too far into it, but when we look at Jesus being a high priest, and then you go, well, how could he be a high priest? Because he didn't come out of the line of Aaron. He came out of the line of Judah. And so he wouldn't have been qualified. It goes back to Melchizedek, and that's how he, that's how he became our high priest. That's how he becomes our, our king. It gives us a, an allusion to it. And I think the final thing to end on right there because there's a lot of talk about who Melchizedek is and you know some people say he's a angel or some say he's a you know Jesus uh, a pre-incarnate Jesus Uh, there's a lot of different things but that that can distract from the point The, the thing we know for sure is that he was a king and a priest that Abraham gave a tenth of everything to him to honor not to honor Melchizedek but to honor God himself and then we see that Abram's we see how much Abram's belief has really grown because he could have taken and kept all of the spoils but he goes back he gives it all back um, to the king of Sodom and says I'm going to take nothing because I don't want it said that you're the one that made me rich he wanted everybody to know that his riches came from God, that they came from the King Most High and not from any man on earth. And that's an important attitude for us to have as well, um, that our faith is in not what somebody can do for us, but our faith is in God and God alone. That's right. And uh, I think something that's important for us to note, um, this is this is something that's separate from all this, is that we, we've been, one of the things that we talked about when we were getting ready to start this podcast was that we wanted something, we wanted to make something that people who didn't know the Bible or people who wanted to figure out the Bible were able to understand and they were able to read along with and understand how we found the, the information that we found. Yes. And part of the thing, part of the part of what you have to do when you're reading the Bible is you have to read it in the context of the entire Bible. And so a lot of the times when we're reading through um, 
you know, something that we use is we use study Bibles, which are great. They show us references where we can find some some of the things that people are being meant, you know, some of the people who are being mentioned or some of the areas that are being mentioned. It'll reference to where else they're talked about. And, you know, another thing that we do is we study. We, we look for other things. We Google. We find other resources to find more information. And so if you're reading or if you're listening and reading along and asking how did we find this information or why did we know to look there, you know, it, you know maybe you sit down next to your computer when you're reading and Google some, just some extra stuff. And there's a lot, of in, a lot of information that you can find online. There's a lot of information if you sit down with a study Bible that you can get. Um, just remember that in your notes and study Bibles that that's somebody's opinion. That's not necessarily 100% accurate. And that's something that as we talk through a lot of the, a lot of what is in the Bible, there'll be times when we'll say, we don't know what the truth is. We can give you our best guess. And that's as far as we can go because we don't have enough information. And so we just, we don't want anybody to get confused as to how we got this information. It's not like we, have secret vaults of books and it's not like we've been told secrets through you know super uh knowledgeable people it's all the same information that anybody can access it just comes with study and time and um, staying open and like we said we always want to look at what's the point and i think we can sum up and and finish with this up to this point, everything we've read so far, we've seen that God has created a perfect world, a perfect place through man's own choice um, to set themselves up like God. We have separated from God and when left on our own, that's where we see all the way up through chapter 12 when man's left to his own devices that it just gets worse that we, no matter how hard we may try to fix it, it just goes downhill and gets worse from generation to generation to generation. It gets worse and worse and worse. And given the choice, we always choose to be like God. Yes. We try to set ourselves up to be like God we, and we, not, rely on, not rely on God. Right. Um, and so when we get up to this point, we hear, the, we hear the promise that God is making to redeem us, to, to restore things back to the way that he wants it to be, um, to bring us back to him. Uh, and that starts with Abram. We're seeing Abram's faith grow in God, and we're going to see God grow through what Abram's doing and, and the promises that he's made. So we, we encourage you to... To continue along, we'll pick up. We will uh, we'll have another podcast out on Thursday that will go through kind of the rest all the way up through, I think it's chapter... 18. 18. And, and we so, will have some interesting stuff to talk about then. There will be some good stuff. So hope you're able to, to follow along and join in. If you're reading ahead and you have questions, always feel free to, to send us a note or um, something about we've read or talked about today. Like I said, send us a note at... Uh, podcast at fullyequipped.church. We want to hear from you. If there's advice or anything you can give us or something you'd like to 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 do or say, just let us know. Um, we look forward to it and happy to be on this journey with you. God bless.
Thank you for listening to the Fully Equipped Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or Spotify, as well as www.fullyequipped.church. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at fullyequipped.church. Have a blessed day.